right, it is uh, Sunday morning. Just getting stuff loaded up into the car. Family all packed up, getting ready to hit the road. Welcome to Liftoff from Relay FM. Liftoff is a podcast where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Stephen Hackett, and this week, my co-host Jason Snell and I both saw the 2017 solar eclipse. Hello, Stephen Hackett. I am standing in a field, an alfalfa field in Manan, Idaho. Manan, Idaho. It's fun to say. And it is the morning of the total solar eclipse across the United States as I record this, getting ready to go up on a volcanic butte. Uh, why? Because it's higher and that's fun. And uh, we drove, we're at the end of a nine day road trip, 10 day road trip. After this, we'll be turning around and heading home and hopefully finding some time to do the rest of this podcast. Anyway, about a thousand miles out, a bunch of different stops to get here. There is a, uh, a set, a set of alfalfa fields, not just one. There are three alfalfa fields full of cars and trucks and RVs and motorhomes and trailers and dogs and all sorts of other things as people get ready. Telescopes, too. There's a big home-built telescope that was out here last night that we were using to look at various items of interest, Saturn and a uh, M13 globular cluster. So lots of fun stuff going on here. And it's just anticipation time now. Good news. The weather report for Manan, Idaho is blue sky. A little bit of haze. I think there's some forest fires in Oregon. But uh, it's pretty clear and blue. And there are some very light clouds. They're thin. They're the kind of clouds that if they went over the sun, the sun would still shine. And you'd see what you needed to see. So lots of anticipation here. And on to the solar eclipse. And then... I guess, what happens after that? Let's hope the sun comes back. Where we are watching the eclipse is in between Smithville and some other small town in Tennessee you never heard. But even here, there were people with real equipment. I met Joe, who brought a large telescope to help share the eclipse with people there on the ground. Well, my name's Joe. I'm from Buffalo, New York, and I'm here for the uh, 2017 total solar eclipse, which will be my first one. And it was serendipity that I ended up coming here. I had no idea this park existed. <laughs> I have a lot of time to kill in the morning, and I, and I, I just followed the signs, and lo and behold, there was a, a bunch of amateurs just like me, and I had a 10-inch a, a Dobsonian with a solar filter, and it's really fitting in all the pieces perfectly because there's so many people that have never seen a sunspot before, and I'm having a blast with hearing people saying, oh my God, this yeah. is cool. So and you, you uh, enjoy the educational aspect of sure, it? Sure, sure I do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, yeah. you know, without a doubt. And uh, I'm glad I, 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 I'm glad I lugged it out of the cellar and, <laughs> and, 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 and doing this. So Even without Joe's telescope, the eclipse was a sight that I don't think I'll ever forget. All of a sudden, the moon appeared in the upper right-hand corner of the sun, and over the next little while began its descent sliding across the surface of the disk. We then enter totality, which Jason and I are going to talk about in our interview here in a second. You're actually going to hear me uh, recording myself during the moment. I think you can hear just how excited I was to see it and people in the background just freaking out. But it really was a fun day, and, uh, and I think that you'll hear that in our interview with, uh, with Jason. So let's uh, jump into that. 
Hey, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we both survived the eclipse. It's the, the morning after now, in real time. We were both, I think, completely just exhausted after driving all day with our families. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about it. It was a long, long day. The traffic wasn't quite as bad as I thought, but I, I'm trying to go all the way back from kind of uh, northeastern Idaho to San Francisco in two days so the kids can start school. So, uh, so you know, yeah, we pushed it. It's a long drive, and I know you had a long drive, too. So so we're, we're recovering. It is definitely the morning after. Yeah, yeah. I woke up this morning. I was like, man, I can't believe the eclipse was so many years ago. Oh, wait, nope, just yesterday. Yeah, exactly right. So how, uh, how was it in Idaho? Did y'all have a good view? Did the weather hold out? T- tell me about it. Yeah, there was a moment about 10 minutes before totality where I turned to my wife and I said, we nailed it with the weather. Like, you know, I, I feel I feel safe in calling it. But in reality, it was it was clear when we got there. There were some wispy high clouds the, the night before when we arrived at the campsite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and some haze from, I think, some forest fires that are a few hundred miles away. And on the morning, you know, it was it was clear. It was just a clear blue sky. It, so all of that uh, worry, and I know that there were places that really did get let down. It sounds like in South Carolina, right before um, the eclipse moves offshore, that was, they were clouded in. But where we were in Idaho, it was, um, after all that worry, it was just a perfect day with clear blue sky, which is exactly what we wanted. So... So yeah, it it worked out. That's great. It was it was beautiful where we were. Uh, a few white fluffy clouds that uh, obscured the the very first few minutes of of the moon's kind of sliding in, but after a few minutes they just cleared off and it remained clear the rest of the time. I know here in Memphis, you know, it was it was about 93% coverage here and it was cloudy for most people here in the city. So I'm definitely glad that we opted to, to take the uh, four-hour drive there and seven-hour drive back to, to go see it. We, where we were yeah. was, uh, was heavily wooded, so I didn't get much of the, the sort of uh, dusk all the way around you know, the, the edges where, um, where the, the sky sort of uh, settles out at the horizon. I'm curious, I saw some of your, your pictures on, on Instagram oh and stuff. It seems like y- y'all could really see that. Yeah, one of the ideas was um, to get up on this volcanic butte. That was that was part of the idea. I mean, it turns out that if you drive all the way to Idaho, there's there's places like my in laws who were going to to Yellowstone, um, drove down four hours and were like in a public park near Rexburg in Idaho. It's, it wasn't a problem. There were people driving in the night before who they had spaces for. It wasn't like completely packed sellout kind of thing. Um, so uh, the idea of the place we went, though, was that it's next to this these uh, two giant volcanic buttes. So you climb up on top of the butte, and what you get is this 360 view of, because uh, it's high up. It was a little bit of a, it's like a 25-minute, 30-minute hike to get up there on uh, on Monday morning. But you get up there, and you can see all the way around. And that was, that was the difference, right? So um, it's funny. You talked about 92% coverage. And one of the things that has shocked me in this entire endeavor is talking to people who don't know the thing that we talked about in our Eclipse episode, which is that anything less than 100%, like there's 0 to 100%. Or zero to ninety nine percent of an eclipse, and then right. there's one hundred percent, and like they're different; they're just totally different events. To the point where now, having experienced a total eclipse, when you say something like, "Well, it was ninety two percent coverage here," I think, 
whatever you know yeah. <laughs> and it was funny even when when it was going when it, when it when it was going across at the beginning you know it was fun to see that it had started but until it got to 60 or 70 percent where i i've never seen an eclipse i think with that amount of coverage where it really the light started to attenuate mm-hmm. and and even at 70 or 80 percent it felt like you know the bright sunlight was not quite right like just a little gray a little too weak uh which was not something i'd I'd really experienced before maybe once um and then uh and then you get to that moment and uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more but for sure one of the things about being up on that on that um on that volcanic butte was being able to look at the horizon and ideally sort of see it coming and going and see the effect around us. Because we were in the sort of really flat land other than these two big buttes right by the Snake River. And it's just, I mean, it's farmland. It's alfalfa and corn and, and, and stuff like that. It's just totally flat. And so, yeah, and, and, and we were, we were able to see um, the dark, you know, dark spot basically racing toward us at the very moment of totality. And during that two minutes and 10 seconds or whatever it was there, you know, you could see that you were standing in a ring basically with twilight or sunset, if you want to call it that, so that, that other colored sky all the way around you, which is just bizarre and, um, and pretty amazing. Yeah. The word I keep coming back to is, is surreal. And I I think you described the, the light shift really well because it, 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 it got darker, but it also got it's like someone turned the contrast down, right? Like it, it. Yeah, we were we were using TV metaphors too. Like, okay, who turned the brightness down on the world? Because yeah. it was just like not quite right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like dusk, which is kind of what I, I was expecting. Dusk. I was expecting you know kind of what we get right at, at sunset, but it wasn't you know that you know what photographers call golden hour. It was it was grayscale hour. It, it it was like the contrast or the exposure slowly got tweaked more and more out of tune. And and very, very sort of um, very sort of surreal for me. And I was I would like you. I was at a at a park with lots of people, and and people were commenting on that of just of just how how strange everything looked. And of course, you have while the light is changing, you have shadows doing weird things. So you can look at uh, because it was it was wooded where we are. You could look through. Uh, the patterns of the shadows of the leaves on the ground, and the, oh, yeah. those shadows go from what we see every day to being uh, eclipsed shadows, and lots of just very strange things that we don't normally see because normally we see the sun as a disk in the sky, and as it becomes more and more like a crescent, uh, shadows and light just get uh, a little weird. Yeah, it gets very strange, and um. The, we were trying to make because there was no foliage up there. Uh, we were like making using our hands to make pinhole cameras, and it's the same thing. It's like it's that moment where you assume that everything that gets cast through a hole, you know, every every little beam of light it makes us make us a circle because that's the natural state of affairs. And the eclipse is that moment where the universe reminds you, no, that's actually you were making a pinhole camera and that's the shape of your sun. <laughs> and if it was a different shape, it wouldn't be a circle on the ground. And that's really, really weird. So that was, we got to go through, yeah, having seen a partial eclipse a few years ago at home, it was the first, you know, because you're waiting there. We we got up there early. We were up there half an hour before the eclipse even started. And it, it's a slow process. I tried to explain to my kids that the reason the, the moon moves over the face of the sun so slowly is it takes it 28 days to get all the way back around. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of, 
you know, it, it can't move that fast if it takes 28 days to get all the way through the sky. But um, still, as it's going, we had those moments that were reminiscent of the of the partials we've seen, where you get the weird shadows and all that, and then you get to the that moment where people are really getting excited because it starts to get really dim. Uh, they they were talking about the different phases, which made me laugh. I, I thought this is a very lift off podcast thing to talk about, which is the, uh, apparently astronomers very seriously. Well, okay, not seriously, but they they refer to the banana phase. Did did you hear about that one? That's no. when the, when the sun looks like a banana. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it's like a fat banana, and then and then you get more more of a crescent um and you know the eclipse glasses worked i i've never actually i think used eclipse glasses before but they worked great and uh and then in those last whatever 10 minutes five minutes that's when things got got really weird where um you even if you were just walking down the street and didn't know what was going on you'd notice because it, it just yeah the contrast the color everything just started to seem really weird and then totality happened which you know how how did that how did that experience go for you? Because for us, I mean, everybody all around us, you know, everybody is basically exclaiming and crying and, and, and shouting. And uh, it was a I'm glad we did it with, um, you know, this group of whatever a thousand people standing up on that volcanic butte because it was um, it was a really emotional experience. And it was really cool to be in like a sports crowd kind of thing where everybody's having that uh, experience together. Well, I actually recorded uh, the moment and you can, uh, you can hear it now. So we could see the Corona around the sun, perfectly black circle, cloud of hot gas around it. People are freaking out as I'm sure you can hear behind me. It really is incredible. Moon still centered perfectly above the sun with the disk of the corona shining. The corona is uneven around it. There are spurs of brightness that come out at different angles. Yeah, it was very much the same for us. You know, we were there m- maybe with a hundred other people. It's a real, a real small gathering, but definitely some rep- people, you know, uh, crying out, people crying, people. It was very, and I didn't anticipate that. I didn't anticipate sort of a. Um, sort of like deep in my bones reaction to the eclipse, but it, it did feel, and, and um, yeah, I've got an interview with somebody who, who talked to me right afterwards, and you can hear his words, but it was very sort of uh, like deep-seated feeling that I just didn't, I didn't anticipate. And I mean, it was amazing because you see, you see the, the diamond ring, and you see the beads, and then it just, it just, it just clicks into place. And you can take the glasses off at that point, so everyone, everyone at least where I was, knew exactly what to do, exactly what was going on, and so you know everyone knew you could take your glasses off at this point. And I, I don't think I, you know, it was a two and a half minutes or so for us, similar to you. I don't think I took my eyes off the sun, uh, off the corona. It it just felt like it felt uh-huh. like like a heartbeat, and it felt like an eternity all at the same time. Just seeing a, a black hole punched where the sun is supposed to be, and this this cloud of white silver uh, light uh, coming out of it was just it was incredible. So I did I did take precious second. I was aware that uh, I was only getting two minutes and ten seconds, and so I did take a little time away because one, when it was happening, rather than watching the sun in that final moment, I decided I really wanted to watch that impending darkness shadow thing, which was amazing. Um, you know just sort of like the dark the dark kept creeping toward us and then we were covered and it was just and then like you said it's like a switch is flipped and the last little bit goes away and then you're in that phase and um 
So, and I, I you know, I took, I glanced at my family just to see their reactions, but you're right. You know, I, I was trying to watch the Corona as much as possible. And it did seem like a time warp where I felt like, I know this is only going to be two minutes, so I need to really appreciate it. But at the same time, um, it, it kind of felt like I was in a limbo state and I could, it could have gone on forever. And the Corona, I mean, we got to talk about it. I didn't really know what to expect because people talk about it and you see depictions of it, but they say it's never quite what comes across in photos. Um, you know, I think that's not entirely true, but it's definitely like the sky is not quite black. It's kind of this gradation of blue because, uh, you know, the, in the atmosphere, there's light coming through outside of the band where you are. But the Corona itself, like, it, it is, it, it's not quite what I expected, um, but it was amazing and strange. And, you know, I guess as advertised in the sense that it is this weird, wispy shell that is just like, that's not supposed to be there, even though it's always there, we just can't see it. And it's so um, almost delicate and almost cartoon-like, right? Like, because there are there were prominent, you know, prominences, or or I guess those are all off the sun exactly. But you know, it's not a circular halo. It's got wisps, mm-hmm. and so as a result, it um, it, it looks. I mean, surreal is the word for it. It does not look like a thing that actually exists. It looks like something that's a depiction. And but it's it's absolutely real and it's right before your eyes for that time, at, as you stand there in darkness at eleven in the morning for us eleven thirty <laughs> in the morning and it's total darkness basically and you're staring at this weird thing in the sky and that's so visceral that is I, I cannot imagine how people who you know didn't know anything about the science of this uh, but happened to be in a place and were looking up when this weird thing happened must have thought I mean it is the kind of thing that makes you it goes against everything that you come to observe about the universe as a, as a human being when you're just walking around something like this is just completely contrary to how every other, you know, every other hour of every other day of your life uh, works. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on the Corona. I mean, we've all seen the photos, but I was, I was sort of taken aback by how, how sort of wispy and, and uneven it was from our viewpoint. You know, there were a couple of, uh, of sections that were, you know, sort of more prominent than others, um, but it it looked much, Definitely. it much looked much softer and much. Um, I think you said wispy, kind of, you know, more more gas like than I expected. I expected something more with harder, more defined edges, and it really wasn't that. And uh, but the the contrast of it, and then the the pitch black disc of the moon centered over it. Um, the contrast there. And sort of the the inside edge of that being, from, you know, from our point on Earth, basically a hard edge, even though the moon uh, has a rough surface. In contrast with the, these these trails of gas streaming off the sun, uh, it really was beautiful. If it is at all possible, I will drive and see totality again, because I don't think that I could be so close to one and settle for not seeing that image again. I spoke to someone else at the park where we were, and he agreed that he would totally travel to see another one of these. Okay, this was my first uh, total solar eclipse. We came from New York. We drove 16 hours to get down here. Um, It was completely worth it. The sky turned a dark blue and then went to a twilight, and seeing that black hole in the sun was so spectacular People really, they can't understand the significance of it until they actually experience it. 
I mean, it's it's almost a spiritual experience, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was awe-inspiring. I, I, I felt like I was going to cry, too. I felt the same way. Um, and uh, I'm just... I'll do. I would do this again. I would. I would do the drive all the way down. We drove through the night, you know, uh, 16 hours straight. So it. It. If somebody's gonna do it, I would say, don't hesitate. Do it. Yeah, my family afterward was sold on it. Like they're. They're all like, oh yeah, we're we're going. I mean, my kids' reaction was amazing. Um, my my son afterward said that he wanted to. Um, he was going to be sure to take his children to see a total solar eclipse, oh, which I'm going to take as a thank you. I'm going to take that as a thank you, daddy for setting yeah. this up, right. That yeah. he's going to emulate my behavior. Um, and, but my daughter was the best one. Cause like, so like 10 minutes before totality, she's talking, she's, and she's been complaining all morning. Cause it's been a little cold. It was a colder morning than we were anticipating. So we didn't bring jackets and she was, she was chilly. And we were up there an hour plus before things really got started. So she was bored and she's a teenager, you know. And then about 10 minutes to go, she's talking about something and I, about like, I don't know what's going on here. You know, this is so weird. Um, and I say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get dark. It's going to be like night. And she looks at me and she says, and I, I know I've told her this before, right? But she looks at me and in that moment it clicked and she said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and I said, yeah, it's going to be black like night. The s- sun is entirely covered and the whole, e- everything. And she's like, everything turns. I said, yes, yes. And that was when she was like, oh, wow. Like that's when she kind of got it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, um, really, as as it got toward totality, she was more and more reactive, and and um, she was completely blown away by the the total eclipse. And afterward, she just said that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and wow. um, would absolutely, you know, see go see them again and travel to see them and things like that. So it was an amazing turnaround where I said, Jamie, afterward, what, what were you expecting? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, just like, I think she was just expecting more of the same of, a, of going out to see an eclipse where it's not a total, where you go outside, you're at home, everybody looks at pinhole cameras. They go, Oh, well that's kind of cool. And then you go back to your life. I yeah. think she was just kind of figuring it would be another thing that her dad dragged her to that was vaguely spacey and sciencey, but not, <laughs> You know, not a not a big finish. Just kind of like you have to admire it and be like, yeah, science. Okay, good. And then move on with your life. And that's not what this is. This is this kind of greatest show uh, that that uh, nature and astronomy can possibly put on on the face of the earth. And uh, and it worked. So in the end, yeah, we um, you know we are absolutely going to try, if at all possible, to go to the next one um, in in what 2022. Uh, 2024, seven, seven years. 2024. Oh, why is it so far away? I know. Uh, but that's pretty, you know, not bad given that the last one was, uh, was like 40 years ago. So in, in North America. So yeah, it was, uh, the family reacted really well to it and, and, and definitely it's like, I'm not going to miss one of these again if there's any way for me to, um, fairly easily get to it. And that the next one is a little further away for us. It's not going to be drivable really. We're going to have to fly somewhere, but you know, there are a lot of places, and and in fact, the next one is fascinating. Goes over a lot of big cities. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Nashville was obviously in the heart of this one, but uh, the next one goes over Cleveland and um, and uh, I think Dallas. Yeah. Um, and and so there there are going to be a lot of and Buffalo, New York, a lot of places that uh, people are going to be able to see it. Um, they, you just got to find a place that's got good weather in April, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. My kids are, are all younger than yours, and 
they i think they were pretty amazed there was there was a, a family we were next to uh he was uh, actually uh, an engineer at nasa and um his wife had worked in the astronaut training program for the shuttle. So we, we spoke to them a little bit and he had a telescope set up and he had a, a couple of pinhole cameras set up. And, uh, even our two year old, you know, looking at the little pinhole camera, you know, he had it projected on a white sheet of paper on the ground. Um, you know, even he could tell that something was different and special about this. And, you know, they all took turns looking through cellar glasses and, and looked at the Corona. And I think even at their younger age, I think it, it impressed on them that, you know, this is something that is uh, a real treat. And like you said, it's the greatest show that we can see on Earth. And I think that's um, I think that's definitely true. Yeah, so sign me up for the next one, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, we had a we had a mission control, somebody from mission control in Houston. Wow. Who was at our campsite. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and there was definitely a crew. One of the things that they tried to do, and I, I'm not sure how much coverage they got because of weather, but they, were, they sent camera crews to try and cover um, as much of the corona across, I think I mentioned this on a, on a previous show, as, as possible across the whole, um, the whole country. Because all told, it's like 90 minutes of corona. Mm-hmm. If you've got people uh, you know, every few hundred miles, you can have continuous, uh, you, you get a recording of the corona during that entire period of totality across the country. Um, and that one of the crews was there there too we had a news crew but i thought it was funny that there was a, a guy from from he's like we're, we're we live in houston and i'm like oh houston that's a long way to come he says i work in mission control and nasa i'm like oh okay all right then yeah yeah i saw something you know there was an article phone around about the productivity cost which i think is a silly way to think about things but i did have that thought about like in the space industry like no one got any work done yesterday <laughs> everyone was was off doing this uh, just like uh, just like podcasters, I guess. Yep, exactly right. You got to do what you got to do. Cool. Well, we will. Um, I think we will uh, wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for joining me. I know you're still on your way home, so y'all have a uh, a safe drive back. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, this has uh, been great. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Liftoff. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but it was such a special event. We really wanted to market here on the podcast. There are a couple of links in the show notes this week, uh, mostly to NASA photography of the event. You can find those at relay.fm slash liftoff slash 54. You get in touch with us there as well. And it is August, so it is membership month here at Relay FM. You can learn more and support shows at relay.fm slash membership. Jason and I are recording a special episode in which I watch the movie Contact for the first time and we discuss it. So if you want to hear that, uh, relay.fm slash membership, get signed up and you'll get that episode, uh, I believe, sometime next week. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week. And uh, we'll be back on September 12th, back on our regular fortnightly schedule. Uh, So until then, adios. Adios.